turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles 15. When I was a, a boy, a new Christian, as a matter of fact, we lived in this place out in the country, and we had this mountain behind my house, and I used to walk up there uh, sometimes uh, to shoot birds or, you know, to, to kind of hunt or uh, be up in the woods. But other times, I'd go up there and just to be with the Lord. And it was a great place. You'd sit down there, and it was a big field. And uh, if you look down, the cars look like matchbox cars going by. I mean, they're real small, and uh, the houses look small and kind of like, uh, hey, this, there's a perspective here. <laughs> Uh, and, and I would call upon the Lord, and not only their perspective of just what I was seeing, but God would just refresh my spirit as I worshipped Him and as I drew close to Him during those times. It was really special times of talking with Him there in the quiet of uh, where I was. And, uh, you know, I, I'm convinced one of the most, one of the greatest blessings we could ever experience is to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, just to know him, uh, to find joy in his presence, it's one of the, the greatest blessings of life, uh, the greatest blessing uh, besides our salvation. And uh, the scripture we're going to look at today is a scripture that talks about drawing near to God in a little different way because it's the Old Testament. Uh, but David wants to bring the ark of God, which is the place where God's glory dwells on earth, he wants to bring it to Jerusalem. Now, they had a mishap uh, before as they're trying to bring uh, the ark to Jerusalem. So this time, David actually goes, he researches, uh, this is what I need to do. He's looking in the law. Okay, the Levites need to be carrying the ark. That's what the Bible says. Uh, and we need to go through this preparation, this cleansing for these, these priests and Levites. And then we need to offer these sacrifices uh, and then we can bring the ark up to where we've made preparations for it to be in Jerusalem. And so he begins to make preparations. He tells the Levites, hey, uh, you guys and you guys alone are going to carry this ark. Nobody else is to touch it. Uh, he, he divides up the priests uh, according to the divisions of, of Scripture that Moses had laid down. Uh, and then uh, he organizes the gatekeepers as kind of a security, I believe. Uh, and then the singers and the, the players of instruments, all these things. They're, they're, there's all this preparation that goes into this. And then they go up and they're worshiping and they're praising God and they're rejoicing. And as we praise and thanks God, the Bible says we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Uh, they had great joy. And uh, I found this the case uh, as Christians. Did you know the Bible says that we're the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in us? So we don't have to look for the Ark of the Covenant today as much as I like that movie. Uh, we don't have to look for it. We've got God's presence right inside if we know Christ. And, uh, and we can have this same kind of fellowship, but even in a greater way because God himself dwells in us. And, uh, but there's some principles here in this scripture about drawing near to God that I think are important for us to look at. So the title of my message is Drawing Near to God. Uh, and uh, look, look at uh, verse 1 of 1 Chronicles 15. It says, there, uh, David built houses 
for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord has chosen to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. Uh, And so then it says, David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring the ark to the Lord, uh, the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. Then he gathered together the descendants of Aaron and the Levites. And uh, so um, uh, he uh, tells them to consecrate themselves in verse 12. Uh, I'm not going to read all the lists here of all these individuals, but look at verse, look at verse 16. Uh, then David told the leaders of the, the Levites to appoint their relatives as singers and to have them raise their voices with joy, accompanied by musical instruments, harps, lyres, and cymbals. Uh, and so it, it, it describes those that, that they have appointed. Uh, he also tells them, uh, he, he appoints, a, a verse 22, a guy named Kenaniah uh, to be the leader of the Levites in music. Uh, he was to direct the music because he was skillful. In other words, he knew how to do it. So it's always good when you, when you know what you're doing, right? Uh, so uh, he appoints Kenaniah uh, to lead this great uh, musical enterprise uh, for the nation. And, uh, and appoints the gatekeepers, uh, verse 23 tells us about that, to be security. So all this organization and uh, preparation is taking place. Look at verse 25. Uh, David, the elders of Israel, and the commanders of thousands went with rejoicing to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom. Because God helped the Levites who were carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord with God's help. They sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. Now David was dressed in a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who were carrying the ark, as well as the singers and Kenaniah, uh, the music leader of the singers. David also wore a linen ephod. So all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouts, the sound of a ram's horn, trumpets and cymbals, and the plague of harps and lyres, As the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, Saul's daughter Michael looked down from the window and saw uh, King David leaping and dancing, and she despised him in her heart. So, uh, drawing near to God. How do we do that? Well, we draw near to God, first of all, through God's initiative. Through God's initiative. If you look at verse 2, David says, No one but the Levites may carry the Ark of God. You see, God had taken the initiative to give them a tabernacle, a set of priests, uh, sacrifices, uh, and all of the aspects of worship so that God could come and dwell in their midst. It was remarkable. Uh, No time in the history of the world up to that point had God come to dwell among a people, but God did that in the time of Moses through these means. Can I tell you something? God has given us means under the new covenant as well. Uh, He took the initiative in Jesus Christ, the lamb, slain before the foundation of the world. And by the way, what all those sacrifices look forward to. And uh, Jesus became the way of salvation for us. 
uh, and he became the way of fellowship with God so that God could come not, not to dwell in a, in a tabernacle or a temple built by human hands, but to dwell in the hearts of men. It's all at God's initiative, and had God not taken the initiative, you and I would be lost. But God did take the initiative. Listen, God wants us to have fellowship with him. Isn't that an amazing thought? Uh, you know, if you were to look at a, a bunch of Fortune 500 companies and uh, try to get an appointment with the CEO of those companies, you'd probably have a hard time getting in to see uh, those individuals because they're very busy and uh, they usually don't have time uh, for people like you and me, right? And so uh, uh, they, they'd be too busy. But, hey, the God of the universe has time for me. And he wants to spend time with me, and he's taking initiative. He has sent me a letter saying, I want to meet with you, and it's right here, the Word of God. He has sent his own precious son as my substitute to die on the cross for me so that I can have fellowship with him. What an amazing God to take the initiative to have relationship with you and me. He has done everything that needs to be done to open the way I love that, uh, that, that scripture that talks about the ripping of the veil. The way is open uh, for us to have fellowship with God. So, drawing near to God, how do we do it? We, we draw near to God through God's initiative. We never forget the grace of God in reaching out to us. Secondly, we draw near to God through God's conditions. Through God's conditions. If you look over at verse 26... It says they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. Now, you could also talk about the condition of the Levites carrying the ark, which we know that's an important condition as well. But they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. God had given them a system, a way for these uh, priests and Levites to minister and to be accepted before God. And part of that involved the sacrifice. They had to fulfill God's conditions in order to receive the blessing God wanted to give them. A lot of people think, well, I could just approach God any old way I want to approach God. Uh, it doesn't matter what religion I'm a part of. All of them say the same thing. You ever heard? Which, by the way, they don't. Uh, but they say, well, it, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you may be climbing up one side of the elephant, but uh, I'm climbing, climbing up the other side of the elephant. Well, that's just a bunch of nonsense. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. God's condition for us to have fellowship with him is for us to put our trust in Jesus Christ. There is no other way for us to have fellowship with God. And by the way, those conditions in the Old Testament uh, were put there to anticipate the work that Jesus would do. They invoked the sacrifice that was yet to come, even though they didn't understand the full significance of it at that point in time. So God has conditions. He's got conditions, the condition of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Uh, God also has some other conditions. If we want to have fellowship with Him as Christians, We've got to keep our sins confessed, right? Uh, if we confess our sins, that's a condition, right? Then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that's not talking about the initial forgiveness that comes at salvation, although that can be accompanied by confession of sin and often is. 
uh, it is the confession of sin. Where First John's talking to Christians, he says, he says, listen, how do you have fellowship? How do you have fellowship in the body of believers? You confess your sin. You confess your sin to have fellowship with God. Our fellowship is with God and with the body of Christ, John says. And we maintain that fellowship by confessing our sin. Well, how do you you confess your sin? The word confess means you agree together. You agree together with God. Yes, God, I sin when I fill in the blank. That's a confession, right? I admit. uh, You remember the... Uh, the publican and the Pharisee, um, and, and the Pharisees, I, Lord, I thank you, I'm not like him. And uh, God doesn't listen to his prayer, but he listens to the public, publican. What does he say? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's confessing the fact that he's a sinner in the eyes of God. Confession puts the specifics with that. Now, you say, well, what if I don't remember all my sin? Well, the good thing is, if you confess the sins you know about, it says he'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Isn't that great? So uh, confess the ones you know about. Keep those sins confessed. And he is faithful and just. Why just? Because Jesus already paid the price for that sin. Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So part of our condition is confession. Also repentance. Repentance. Now we confess our sins. God begins to do the work of uh, cleansing us and helping us with our sin when we confess. But confession is not the end goal. Confession is the starting point. Repentance is the goal. I confess and I say, okay, I've got this sin issue. And Lord, I surrender to your purpose. I choose to follow you. I I choose to turn from this sin to follow you. That's repentance. Um, And sometimes you may not even feel like, repenting at that point you may need to say okay lord i need some help with this uh change my heart i love uh, what david says in psalm 51 create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me what is he doing he's asking god's help lord i need to repent i need to have a right heart but i don't have one so lord please create in me a clean heart this is a condition of Close fellowship with God. Now, we don't earn fellowship with God. It's by grace. But what confession and repentance does is it removes the barrier uh, to our fellowship, right? And we grieve God's Holy Spirit. We put Him at arm's length. When we confess and repent, it opens up the lines of communication once more and restores the fellowship. Uh, another condition that God gives us for drawing near to him is a condition of faith. We approach God in faith, trusting that the way has been made open through Calvary. Trusting that God wants to meet with us as his word teaches us. Trusting that as we come, Hebrews says you must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I believe as I come to the Lord that that He is going to reward me for seeking Him. Here's another condition. Uh, In Jeremiah, the scripture says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Condition of fellowship, right? So if we're holding back, well, Lord, I give you everything, but I'm not going to give you this. Well, Lord, I'll surrender in everything else, but I'm not going to surrender in this. There will be no fellowship. 
we must seek the Lord with all our hearts. Uh, and, and again, the Holy Spirit can help us with that, but that's a condition of fellowship. So a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, well, why don't I experience fellowship with God? A lot of times the problem is we're not fulfilling the conditions. So we've got to fulfill the conditions in order to receive the promise, right? So the uh, same thing here. They were, they were fulfilling a little different conditions because they were under the old covenant. But God's conditions must be fulfilled in order to draw near to him. So how do we draw near to God? Well, we, we always do so through God's initiative, through God's conditions, and through God's special clothing. Look at verse 27. David was dressed in a robe of fine linen. Now, this fine linen is what the priests wore, and he mentions that the priests and the singers are wearing this as well. Uh, this was a, a white robe, and it was a symbol of the purity uh, that God desires in his people, but even so, so more, the purity of Christ who was yet to come. How were these worshipers able to come? Not based on their own merit, but based on the righteousness of Christ that was their clothing. Uh, Zechariah talks about this. He's, he, Zechariah seeing this vision of Joshua, the high priest at that time, clothed in filthy garments. Satan's accusing him. Did, did you know Satan loves to accuse God's people? You may have heard him whispering in your ear this week. Remember when you fill in the blank. <laughs> That's uh, Satan's accusing work. Uh, but praise God, we don't have to surrender to that. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And Zechariah describes in his vision the angel or messenger of the Lord, that is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, comes and takes that filthy garment off and puts a white robe upon his shoulders and says, now he's fit to stand before you. And uh, that is a picture of our justification. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We talked a little about, about the, that this morning. Um, David also speaks about wearing a linen ephod. That's one of the interesting things about David. Uh, sometimes scripture tells us these little details and doesn't really tell us the whys. But did you know, in David's day, there were two separate classes of leaders in Israel. There were the kings, and there were the priests. And the priest, ask, ask uh, Uzziah. Uh, he went in and tried to offer a sacrifice, and God struck him with leprosy because that was not his place. So... These two roles are separated, but David's wearing a linen ephod. That is what the priest was to wear. Why? Well, I'm not real sure why David wore it. The Bible doesn't tell us, okay? Uh, but I think maybe he's saying, hey, I want to worship God. I want to, to uh, be as close to the Lord as I can be. And so I, maybe I'm going to dress up like a priest a little bit. Uh, and... and uh, but he was looking forward because, you see, David was a type of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ would fulfill both the priestly prophecy and the kingly prophecy. He is the seed of David, the seed of Abraham. He would be the Messiah. But he would also be a priest 
Jesus Christ, that is, would be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. By the way, uh, this chapter speaks of Levite's priesthood lasting forever. Did you know the Bible tells us that Mary had priestly blood running in her veins? Her daddy was of the tribe of Judah, but her mama was of priestly lineage. Jesus had both Levite blood in his vein and kingly blood in his veins. Of course, his, his genealogy is figured through his father as a, of the tribe of Judah, uh, legally through Joseph, right? Uh, he's adopted by Joseph. Uh, but through Mary, Mary's father was also of the line of David through Nathan. And so um, Jesus had both priestly and kingly blood. And through Jesus, the work of the priest, though of a different nature, a priest after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus combines both the priestly and the kingly roles. And, and both of these Old Testament roles anticipate and look forward to him. So uh, David's linen ephod also anticipates Jesus in that way. So, but God's special clothing is that righteousness of Christ. Can I tell you something? When the devil comes to accuse me, I just agree with him. I say, yeah, you're right. I sin. But can I tell you something? I am clothed with the righteousness of Christ, and it is perfect. It is holy. It is pristine. Find fault with that if you can, devil, because that's my clothing, and that's the basis on which I go into the presence of God. So, um, to draw near to God, you need that special clothing. And by the way, that's ours for all eternity. The Bible even tells us we'll, we'll have literal white robes when we get to heaven. <laughs> I think just as a, a, to kind of fit the picture of, of the fact that God has made us clean uh, through the blood of Christ. So, uh, drawing near to God, uh, how do you do that? You do that through God's initiative, through God's conditions, through God's special clothing, and through God's ongoing desire. Look at verse 28. So all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouts, the sound of a ram's horn, trumpets and cymbals, and the playing of harps and lyres. As the ark of the covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, he became Baptocostal. I added that. Um, but it says that uh, Saul's daughter Michael looks down and, and sees him. He's looking out the window and sees King David leaping and dancing and celebrating. He is excited about the Lord. He is full of joy. This is God's ongoing desire for us to be filled with his joy, to be thanking him and praising him every day that we live, to have our eyes upon him, to rejoice in the fact that uh, though I'm a sinner, though I'm undeserving, the Lord Jesus has covered me with his blood and has made a way for God to dwell with me. And he is with me. And he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That ought to bring some joy. And every day that we live, I, you know, I like to actually like to, to use music in my quiet time. Uh, you know, if you live in some parts of the world and you don't know how to play an instrument, you may be out of luck. But we have iPhones, right? Or maybe you've got some other kind of phone that plays music. Or if you don't have that, you probably have a computer at home where you can play music. Or maybe if you're really old-fashioned, nobody's using the, the cassette tapes anymore. Maybe if you're really old-fashioned, 
you've got the the uh, the uh, CDs or the DVDs. Maybe you got the Homecoming DVD that you stick in that DVD player and you start uh, praising God. Okay. We can praise God. We can carry that with us. What, a, what an amazing privilege. I don't have to wait till Sunday to worship God. I can worship God every day I live and be filled with his joy. I can thank him and praise him in prayer, and I do that. Uh, but I can also worship him. And, you know, I found that's powerful in my life. Something about going to God and praising his name and music just lifts my soul and draws me into his presence like nothing else. And I think that's God's ongoing desire. All this other preparation that they're making was to get them to the point where they could draw near to God and rejoice in his presence. And that's his hope. Listen, God has said, uh, he said in, in, in the Old Testament, he said, this is my desire. But you get to the book of Revelation, and what does God say? And he says, and he says, I will be with them and be their God, and they shall be my people. Isn't that a wonderful thing? God is speaking fondly of us. He's saying, look, I love my people. I want to be in their presence. I want to have fellowship with them. I want to enjoy them. Uh, and this is God's ongoing desire for us. And we have a beautiful picture of it here in this chapter in Chronicles. We can draw near to God. How? We draw near through the blood of Jesus. But we also uh, fulfill those conditions, confession, repentance, and so forth. Uh, we um, uh, rejoice in the fact that we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Um, sometimes I like to just plead the blood of Jesus, right? You know, you ever, you ever feel unworthy when you come into your prayer time? Uh, I, I've been there. I... One thing, I, somebody told me this, I don't know, it might have been my mama, it might, I might have read it somewhere, but uh, to come into God's presence in prayer, sometimes you just need to plead the blood uh, and just say, Lord Jesus, I don't come to you based on my own righteousness, and I thank you for that. I thank you that I come based on the blood of Jesus and the price that he paid at Calvary. And he's opened up a way for me to come into your presence. And so, Lord, I don't, I don't come before you. I don't ask you anything because I deserve it. I come on the perfect worthiness and the perfect righteousness of my Savior. I plead the blood of Jesus, and I come. And, uh, uh, you know, by the time I do that, usually I'm, I'm getting on shouting ground because I'm thinking of all that God has done for me. Uh, so that God, has, God has done that. He, his ongoing desire is for us to rejoice in him. And so uh, he's called us to draw near. Uh, and um, to seek him with all our hearts. May we do so and rejoice in him as we do. Um, <clears throat> if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, we want to give you an opportunity to uh, put your trust in Christ. Uh, that is the first step in drawing near into God's presence. Until you fulfill that condition, you, you can't do the rest of it. Uh, so uh, you need to repent of your sin. Uh, make a choice to turn from your sin in your own way, to follow Christ, and to receive that gift of eternal life and simple trust. And if you do so, Jesus Christ will save your soul based on the authority of God's Word. And so if you'd like to do that, I'm, I'm going to give you a moment here, uh, uh, an opportunity here in just a moment to do that. If you're here tonight as a child of God, maybe you've just been uh, neglecting that time with God. 
And you need to come to this altar and say, Lord, forgive me for neglecting my time with you. I want to draw near to you on a regular basis and worship you and delight in you uh, and be lifted up. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we ask that you would have your way in this place here tonight. Uh, Father, help us respond to you in the ways that you desire. And uh, Lord, help us more and more in our lives to realize uh, just this joy in our personal worship, in our corporate worship, uh, in every facet of our lives, Lord, that our, our hearts and minds would be focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, we'd be delighting in Him. Uh, Lord, thank you for your continual grace and your continual favor that you show us every day. Uh, let us be awed that somebody like you would love to spend time with somebody like us. And, uh, and we just uh, help people to respond in the ways you desire here tonight, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.